Hey guys, this is June with Wags and Whiskers. Today's going to kind of be just an uncut version. No intro music, no out music. I just wanted to talk to you a little bit more about Frank just because when I read about him, he it just blew my mind. He he literally blew my mind reading about him, his story, and actually watching one of the interviews, which was like a four and a half hour interview with him with everything that went on in his life. Like I said, on Monday, Frank was born May 8, 1916, and his name was actually Elias Franklin Freeman, and he was born in Indiana. His family was a Quaker, and so he kind of lived like that while he was out there in Indiana. And his father realized that basically he could tell that this wasn't the life that Frank wanted to live. Um, so basically his dad spoke with him about going into what I would call like kind of like a job corps type thing and when he went into this job corps he actually went to California and that's where California first came about and he stayed and he did that and um something I didn't mention Frank was not he didn't really do great in school he wasn't like the you know hey I want to go to school every day person so he's, we're talking like he's 16 going and doing this job corps. And he goes and he does that for a while. He ends up back in Indiana. And his dad wants him to get back into school and do the whole school thing again. And Frank doesn't want to do that. It's not for him. So he decides to go back to California. In the interview, Frank mentions that like he was like on the side of the road, like literally trying to hitchhike back and his dad found him and um basically brought him back and you know spoke to him and did all of that but anyway frank decides to get on a train and basically this was on a train that he paid for it was basically you know jump in the box cart and ride which he thought he was riding to california and it wasn't just him there was a whole bunch of like other people that went um that went in this box cart cart as well well, while they were on the box cart, um, the train ends up stopping, and come to find out, in another area of this train, there was a man that was actually killed. And Frank realizes that he's not on his way to California, he's actually on his way to Georgia. They were actually in Georgia when um, they were stopped. And basically, this guy dies. They don't know what happened. Um, so basically everybody that was um, hitching a ride, I guess you could say, was arrested. So F Frank actually is on a chain gang in Georgia. Like he's talking about it in this interview. He is like the real ball and chain in Georgia working on the land um, doing his thing. So when Frank was arrested, he didn't want his parents to find out that he was arrested. So, basically, what Frank did was he changed his name. He used, obviously, his middle name was Franklin. He used Frank for short. The L was for Lee, which was his brother's, I think it was his brother's middle name. And then he used N, basically, to, you know, Franklin. So, it was Frank L N. And he just added another N to, to the N in Frank N. So that's where his name got changed, um, the story behind basically his name getting changed. 
So he's out in Georgia. He's on this chain gang he's talking about. And he said they're working one day. And he looks over and he can see the other, I'm going to call them inmates, with um, the other people in custody. They have a key and they're unlocking, unlocking the chain on their leg. And they're basically passing the key down the line. And one of the people that were out there that were in custody um, told the guard or the officer that um, he needed to go to the restroom. Now, the officer has the shotgun. I mean, like, it sounded like to me like Wild West type stuff. He has the shotgun. He takes this inmate, um, this person in custody, to the wooded area to go to the bathroom and like I said this this key is getting passed down so Frank gets past the key he unlocks his and he's standing there like what do we do next well this guy the officer takes the inmate down to go to the bathroom and all of them run so basically Frank is escaped and ran from the law in Georgia how crazy is that So after the incident, Frank actually goes back home to Indiana, and he gets a job, and he's working um, basically with some horses, helping out on a farm out there in Indiana. And this is where you start to realize that Frank has, like, always had a niche and something special with animals. So he's working a job, and one of his jobs um, is basically he's taking care of these horses, and every day at lunch... When he's supposed to be feeding the horses, he is Mm -hmm. feeding them, but he taught one of the horses to lay down or sit down when he ate. So one day the owner comes out and basically finds out that Frank has taught his horse to actually lay down when he's eating and he doesn't like it. He ends up getting fired. But when Frank is talking about it, he said, you know, he just taught the horse how to do it like it was no big thing. It was just something he did but that was basically the first time that he actually did anything like that I don't really know if it's like the first time that he knew he could do it but um it's the first time that he remembers doing it and training the horse that horse to lay down when he ate so Frank ends up in 1935 he ends up going back to California and he is working in like a horse stable type place and while he's there, well, to make extra money, basically, Frank is actually working as a clown um, in the rodeo and that they have out there. So Frank is working out there in the rodeo as a clown, and he actually cha- trains one of the bulls. And they have, like, this whole little um, setup-type thing that they do each time, and he teaches them how to do, like, all these tricks and everything, and that's going to be, like, the second time that um, Frank actually taught an animal to do something. He's actually doing training and doesn't even know that he's doing it at the time. So, by chance, Frank is actually at the stables one day, and one of the individuals, according to Frank, like, the horse was kind of wild I guess you could say it wasn't wild but it was it wasn't as tame as most of the horses and um Frank um, blames the incident on basically the equipment that they had at the time and basically this horse gets out of hand and everybody's trying to get up to the horse and get the guy off of the horse and the horse is going crazy and they can't do it so instead of going straight behind the horse or in front of the horse Frank goes at a diagonal 
and he actually rescues this guy off the horse. This guy is the one that actually worked for MGM, which I, I spoke about on Monday, and he's the one that actually gets Frank the job at MGM. So Frank starts working out there at MGM, and um, from the way he talked, he enjoyed it. He said he just basically did miscellaneous stuff, like they would say, hey, go pick up some cigarettes buds one day, and then, hey, go fix this light or hold this light. Or He said back then there were so many things to do, and you just kind of did what they told you to do for that day. And um, he's liking the job. He's working nights, and um, he was going to get something to eat. And like I said, um, on Monday, um, a lady that had had too much to drink actually hit him when he was on his way to get something to eat before work. Um, he goes into the hospital. Obviously, they take him to the hospital, and they think he's, he's dead. So they actually roll Frank to the morgue, okay? And I discussed this either because this just blows my mind. This is not that long ago to me anyway. Um, they roll him to the morgue. They have him in the morgue. And then, like, they get these medical students to come in because they're doing training. And one of the medical students is like, hey, he's still alive. And I'm like, what? But he's like, yeah. So they rolled me back out. Um, during the time that he was recovering, his mother actually came down and stayed with him. So his mom... I forgot to mention this. So his mom is told that Frank died in this car accident. And it's not like nowadays where you just pick up the phone and say, hey, he's alive. So his mom's coming down here thinking that she's coming to get her son to bury him. And when she gets here, Frank is actually still alive, obviously, because they found him in the morgue and he was alive. So um, she actually stays with him for about three and a half weeks before she has to go back. And when she goes back, Frank is in a wheelchair. He still is recovering from it. So Frank says he stays with a guy he calls Cowboy and his family. And um, anyway, so he's staying, staying with Cowboy. And while he's there, basically Cowboy, um, the son of Cowboy, um, thinks Frank is lonely. And long story short, Cowboy brings a Cowboy's son brings a dog home who ends up being pregnant, and they give all the puppies away except one. And to give Frank some companionship, they give the dog to Frank, and they and Frank ends up calling this dog Jeep. So of course, Frank is teaching Jeep without really knowing that he's teaching Jeep like all these tricks and stuff, like he. Jeep was crazy about a tennis ball, so Frank was teaching him about a tennis ball. Then he was teaching Jeep how to um, fetch a paper, and um, basically with the paper, the paper boy would come up, and he would take the paper, but Jeep was like slobbering all over the paper, so basically Frank switched it up where Jeep wasn't expecting a treat, and basically the slobber stopped on the paper and so he learned you know he just learned a little um, tip on how or trick on how to do that and then you know he taught him with a, a tennis ball and then he put a tennis ball on the door so then Jeep would jump on the door open the door and then go meet the paper boy and get the paper and come back well come to find out um, Frank said that he ended up Jeep ends up going and bringing back several papers because Jeep can get the door open now. Jeep goes and follows the paper boy and every time the paper boy is throwing a piece of paper, Jeep is picking it up and bringing it back to Frank. 
And um, so anyway, so Frank kind of had to stop that. But um, anyway, Frank eventually um, is able to walk again. And he goes back to um, MGM, and he's working in the MGM still. So Frank's on, on days, and he's kind of doing those odd jobs again. And um, basically, like I said, on Monday, he ends up in the same place with a guy trying to train a dog. Um, uh, West, I think was his name. Trying to train a dog, and basically... He ends up getting in the same room with this guy. He, he brings Jeep up there. Jeep does what the guy's been wanting the other dog to do. He gets his first job doing that. He's not like a trainer trainer. He's like an assistance to a trainer. But he ends up turning into a trainer. Obviously, we know that from Monday. But it's just, it's kind of ironic that in his life... I mean, he was doing it way before he even thought about it being a job. And um, it just it's just crazy to think that all of us in life are doing something right now that we probably don't think much of. We're just doing it so naturally. And, like, to me, when I was going through his interview and stuff, it seemed like he was just so natural at doing it. There's a lot that goes on in between. But basically, Frank ends up being his own trainer. But he helps train Lassie um, while he's still working with another individual. And then, I mean, he goes on to train, obviously, Benji that we learned about. He helped train a dog named Daisy from the Blondie series. I don't know of that series. He helped train all the animals. I keep saying helped. He trained all the animals on the Beverly Hillbillies, all those crazy animals that they had out there. Rhubarb, the I think I'm saying that right, the cat from Lassie, he helped train that cat. The dog on I Love Lucy, that was him. He trained animals on Green Acres. Um, he did the Andy Griffiths show, the Roy Rogers show. He trained Tramp on My Three Sons. He did a movie called The Giant, and he also did Breakfast at Tiffany's, the animal in there. And basically, the list goes on and on for who all the animals that he trained while he was doing his work. So he does all of this, but when I was reading about him and I watched his interview, he talked about getting a lot of shelter animals. A lot of those animals came from the shelter. And then, like he was saying, the producer would come to him for a show and be like, hey, how about a flamingo? And he went and got a, a flamingo. He actually trained his flamingo and brought it brought it to the show, and they used the flamingo. Like, hey, what about a hippopotamus? Let's go get a hippopotamus. And he trained a hippopotamus for, I think it was the, I can't remember if it was the Beverly Hillbillies or the Green Acres. One of the girls were, were riding at in, in one of the episodes. So... Basically, no matter what they gave Frank to go train, he could train it, which is just amazing all in itself. There was no, there was no, 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 I can't do that with Frank. And I think that is what just draws me to him. It didn't matter what the animal was, he was going to deal with it, he was going to train it, and he was going to get it to where it needed to be for whatever they wanted to do in the show. And I, like, reading that makes me believe that that's the reason why they wanted him so much on all these shows and these movies. And like I said before, he um, 
he would get animals from the shelter and train train those animals to you know do movies and stuff like that but he would also just go to shelters and get animals in general because he truly loved animals and I can't remember if it was in something I read or was actually on the documentary. At one time, he had like a thousand animals on his property that he took care of, and he trained some of them, and some of them he just got from the shelters um, to save them from being euthanized. And from the way that he was in the, um, the interview and stuff, you could tell he was just a sweet, nice guy, and that he could do no wrong and that not to say that he thought he could do no wrong but like he could do no wrong in the other in the eyes of other people he got along with everybody everybody enjoyed him him doing this and obviously he was an exceptionally great trainer and he does this and, and in the interview you see him he's just like yeah you can train anything all you have to do is listen to the dog and you and I both know that we can't just be like hey sit and the dog's going to scent. But like for him, it was just that easy. He said you just had to learn how to talk to the dog. And he just didn't understand, to me, his gift. How special it was what he did have with those animals. And just a really, really great guy. And very, very humble about what he did. So as I was doing the stuff for the Benji one on Monday, I was reading a lot that he was writing poetry. And one part in his interview... He said that he started writing poetry. He obviously wrote one for Benji, but he started writing poetry about his life. And basically, the poetry was to leave a legacy of what he did when he was alive. So when he died, he could pass that on. And basically, it was a collection of poems. And he actually, during the interview, brought this collection of poems out. It was just like the neatest thing. And he read one of one of the poems during the interview. He also was wearing like a captain hat while he was in the interview. And I didn't understand it. I just thought it was a thing that he liked to do. So the interviewer asked, actually asked him, you know, why he was wearing the captain hat. And to, to explain that to anybody that was watching it. And basically, he said that he was the captain of his ship, and basically his life was the way it was because he was in charge of it. And I just, I thought that was just really, really neat to hear from him, and it just gave kind, kind of a meaning, a meaning to the whole hat and everything like that. And he obviously wrote a poem about that too, as well. In that poem, he mentions that he's basically... Noah, but he doesn't have an ark, and that was so true because he had all these animals on his property. He trained all these animals and had all these animals animals on his property, and he just truly loved his job, and he loved animals in general, and it just came so easy to him. I guess that's what kind of blows me away, how easy it was, and his daughter had mentioned in the in something I was reading that, you know, he was just basically could speak to these animals like it was telepathic, the way he communicated with the animals and just how it was, it's kind of crazy, kind of eerie that he could do that, but he just had this special way with animals. Every time that I watched an interview or I looked at pictures of him online, you could just see how happy he was with all of these animals. And actually in this interview, I think they were in his home, you could see he makes a joke that he didn't want to forget anything basically. And he kept like memorabilia from 
everything. And like his room, he had pictures and different knickknacks of things that meant something to him with the, the animals that he trained. And I mean, we are talking at least, uh, probably a 20 by 20 room, full wall to wall, wall to ceiling, or excuse me, floor to ceiling, full of stuff. He had tables in there. And they just kind of panned through it. But, I mean, just tons and tons of stuff. He truly enjoyed what he did. Like, how many of us can truly say that they enjoy what they're doing, that what they're doing is what they were meant to do in life? I don't think there's very many people that could do that. And by chance, Frank accidentally got into that line of training. I mean... He always had it, but he didn't know it was there. And it just, it makes you think, like, dang, mate, you know, I wonder what I should be doing. Am I doing the right thing in my life? And I don't, I don't think we can question it all the time, but, I mean, it makes you think. It really makes you think that there are jobs out there and there are people out there that truly enjoy and love doing what they are doing. He also made the comment that dog is God backwards, and I never thought about that before. But when I heard it, I was just like, oh my gosh, it does, doesn't it? And um, it just makes, I don't know, just like heaven is Nevaeh backwards, you know what I mean? It's just, I never thought about that before. And I was like, ah, oh, yeah, that's why they are so special. I mentioned this on Monday, but Frank died July 27th of 2002. And this interview was actually done, I think, in uh, 2000. So he he died two years later after it. And to me, it seemed like kind of like him giving his full account, um, account of his life through his eyes before he passed away. I don't know if that's what he was thinking or not, but that's just when I read that he died two years later, I was like, ah, you know, I'm so glad that they got this interview with him because he's just, he's kind of a funny man too, just, just real laid back, it seemed like. But um, anyway, so when he was getting buried, I, I didn't know this on Monday, and I finally found something on it. He wanted to be buried with Benji slash Higgins, his um, like a dog that starred in Benji's ashes, because he, when Benji died, he um, basically cremated him. And um, come to find out, the exact reason why he could not be buried with it is because he, um, the daughters were told that his ashes. Um, the laws had changed and they could no longer bury ashes with the body. So that is the story behind why the daughters didn't, you know, you know, make his wishes happen um, when he died just because they couldn't because of the laws had changed. But anyways, that's, that's basically, I don't want to end like that, but he's a great guy. Let's put it like, that's in like that. I don't want to be like, he died, but he was a great guy. He, um, he really... He touched me when I read his story, when I when I saw everything. Um, and I, I'm doing a lot of research for different, you know, animals I want to talk to and different trainers now versus back then. And it's just, it seems to me back then there was something so special about those trainers and that there was always a great story that went along with the trainer. And I don't know, maybe I just haven't found the right um, tr dog trainer or, excuse me, animal trainer you know, in this time period, but it just seems back then, like, they, they were really something special, and Frank is one of the many that were, that were very special back then, just, just truly unique people, 
But that's it. That's it for this bonus um, footage. I keep saying footage. I did that last time. This bonus podcast. Um, I just wanted to give you a little bit more about Frank. And obviously, this is already over 20 minutes. So I knew I couldn't do it with Benji because Benji was already, I think, 30 minutes. So anyway, that this is my, my raw, uncut, uncut Frank in interview. Or talk about Frank in... And I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I will talk to you guys on Monday. Take care. Be safe. Bye.